Our today's reading is taken from Mark 7, verse 24 to 37. Let's read together in the count of three. One, two, three. The Syrophoenician woman's faith. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered the house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Jesus heals a deaf man. Then he returned from the region of the Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on it. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed, and said to him, Ephatha, this is be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things to well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Church, this is the word of God. Thank you, Han. You can be seated. Okay. Before we start, let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to listen to your word. There's many times we take it for granted. And pray for the people that who listen to your word, even in this church or online, that you soften their heart to receive your word. Use your word to rebuke us, convict our sins, and also to strengthen our faith. Humble us. Humble us if we are wrong that we can repent and come back to you and help us to obey your words. I pray that can also preach boldly and faithfully. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So just a bit introduction. So if I'm coughing in the middle of the sermon, so sorry, but don't worry. I'm preparing my hot water over there. I hope I didn't kick in the middle of my sermon, all right? So, uh, yeah, it's a, I had just a, had a bad flu, no COVID. I can imagine that after the sermon, some people are going to be wearing masks after this. Uh, but yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's just a bad flu. So today we're going to talk about the great faith. For Christian, I mean that the word faith is something that we use every single day, right? Not every single day. Every Sunday we use that word faith all the time. 
It's such an important term, important words. There's something that we as a Christian, we need to understand. I mean, uh, the Bible is very clear that we are saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And many times in the pulpit, either uh, Pastor Yosia, Pastor Sam, or Martin, or myself, when we were leading the Holy Communion, we ask if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, something like that. So just many times we use that word, faith, in Jesus Christ. And but many Christians are still confused. What is the meaning of put faith in Jesus Christ? And there's were research done by the Christians uh, in Science and Technology Society. So basically that, uh, they say that one out of four Christians has the wrong view of faith. So the research say one out of four Christians has the wrong view of faith. If this number is correct, if this number is accurate, it means in this church, for every four Christians, one of them either doesn't know what's, what's the meaning of faith in Jesus Christ, or they have a wrong view of faith. So for me, it's very bizarre and very dangerous. If we as Christians, we doesn't know what's the meaning of faith. Because it's very clear that... Are you safe? Yes. Why? Because you, I put my faith in Jesus Christ, but you don't know what the meaning of faith. You don't know what the, does it mean to put your faith in Jesus Christ. So just imagine that this one believer, unbeliever, come to you after the church and ask, you know what, you always talk to me about the gospel and you want me to put my faith in Christ. What does it mean? What does it mean when you say that you put your faith in Christ? What does it mean? What's your answer? And that's what, we want, what we're going to learn today from these two stories. Uh, so we're going to learn from uh, these two stories from one of the gentle woman and one from the deaf man. So I'm going to divide my sermon into three parts. So basically three characteristics of faith. The first one, the great faith has the right object. The second one, the great faith is a humble faith and trusting faith. And the last one, great faith always produces great testimony. Let's start. The first one, great faith has the right object. Let me read it for you, verse 24 and 25. And from there he arose, Jesus arose, and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Sidon. And he entered a house and didn't want anyone to know, yet he couldn't be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. So before we go deeper to the scriptures, let's have a look context of this pericope. So Tyre and Sidon is a Gentile region. Right, we learned from the previous preaching from Pastor Yosia that Gentile was considered as unclean person by the Jewish people. All right? So uh, the funny thing is, if you remember a few weeks ago when Pastor Yosia preached from the previous chapter, that basically Jesus just uh, preached about a strong message about unclean and clean. And after that, after Jesus spread the strong message about unclean and clean, now Jesus heading to the unclean region, to the Gentile region. I mean that if, if we are in the midst of the crowd, we're going to ask Jesus, Jesus, you just talked about unclean and clean. Now you're heading into the kind of the region that's full of the unclean people. What do you want to try to say? And again and again you will find Jesus tried to show all to the, uh, to the Jewish people that, you know what, the salvation is not only for the Jewish people. 
The salvation is including for the Gentile people. And that's what we're going to learn uh, deeper uh, later on. All right, and after that, so that's just a bit of context. And after that, Jesus arrived in this region of Tyre and Sidon. And what, uh, what Jesus did, basically, they were spending some time in the house to rest. And there was a Gentile woman who came, and straight away he fell at Jesus' feet. You know what? I love how Mark again and again used this word immediately. All right. If I read it again in verse 25, he said that, but immediately, immediately a woman whose little daughter has the unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Immediately. And it's such an important word. Because in here he said that this woman heard of him. So basically that she heard that Jesus is around her area. Jesus is around her region. So instead of this woman just staying at home and hoping that Jesus is going to pass across her home, instead of just waiting at her home, she immediately came to Jesus and fell at his feet. But why? Why there's such a sense of urgency for this woman to come to Jesus immediately? First, it's very clear from the scripture that her daughter needs help. Her daughter had the unclean spirit and she needs help. The second one, he said that she heard about Jesus' story in another region. Basically, Jesus. Jesus' story is already like a big story everywhere that Jesus healed the uh, the sickness, cast out the demon. So that story is already big. And she not only heard the story, she believed the story. But the third thing, Mark didn't record it, but Matthew recorded it. In the Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, it said that, And behold, the Canaanite woman from the region came out was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. This woman mentioned Jesus by his title, son of David. Son of David is commonly, usually used by Jewish people to refer to the Messiah. And one thing that we have to remember, this woman is a Gentile. This woman is a Gentile. So she doesn't have this kind of belief. I mean that Gentile people believe in many gods. There's a god of rain, god of sun, god of death, god of many gods. And she's been living, believing in all those gods. I mean, during that time, imagine that during that time, and during that time that woman has no right. Woman has no right, and basically they just have to stay at home. Plus, she is a Gentile. And she know all the rules and the culture is saying, saying to her that, you know what, woman, you just have to stay at home. Even that you hear about Jesus around your area, you just need to stay at home. You just need to stay at home and don't do anything. But she didn't care. She ran to Jesus with the urgency. She come to Jesus boldly. I mean that if I, was a, if I was a gentle woman, 
before I'm going to make decision to come to Jesus, there's going to be a lot of thought in my mind, right? And you know that normally that when we, before we make decision, there's a lot of kind of like uh, negative thought in, my, in our mind. If I was a gentle woman, before I make decision to come to Jesus, I'm, there's going to be a lot of negative thought. They think that, you know what, you just have to just stay at home. You know what, when you do that, when you come to Jesus, you breach the rules. You breach all the culture rules. And you're not supposed to do that. You will be in trouble. And your family is going to thinking that you are crazy. Because maybe that some... All, all her family maybe believe in other gods. Your relative may talk bad about you. How about other God that your family believe in? You don't care about them. If I was that gentle woman, before I'm gonna make, the, before I'm come to Jesus immediately, that maybe there's a lot of negative thought. But her response that I don't really care. I need Jesus right now. And that's why she came to Jesus immediately. I think my message for, you, for some of you maybe who hasn't put your faith in Christ, the one thing that the truth that has to be told that without Christ, there's only one destination for us, which is the eternal punishment. But there's one good news that we can learn from this gentle woman. You know what? This gentle woman, she can have a faith. Everyone in here has a faith. Even if you don't believe in Christ Jesus, everyone has a faith. This Gentile woman can have a faith, but if she didn't put in the right object, that faith doesn't have a power. She can have a great faith, but she put in the wrong God. That faith doesn't have a power. Faith by itself has no power. But when we put our faith in the right object, which is in Jesus Christ, it has the power to save us. You know, many of us, when maybe when I bring this title about the great faith, some of us, they've been Christian for a long time, maybe thinking that this message is not for me. This message is for some of people that come in here that hasn't put their faith in Christ. But let me tell you, sometimes that is our tendency that have been Christian for a long time. It's very easy for us that we can easily say that I put my faith in Christ. But you know what? In our actions, we put our faith in something else without we realize. One of the common things, one of the common problems for us that have been Christian for a long time, we can easily say that we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But many times in our actions, that we put our faith in the church attendance. Many times we, we come to the church that we feel satisfied. Because why? Oh, I already ticked the box. We love hiding in the, in the banners of I'm a good Christian because I'm coming to church. And we rely in our good behavior. We don't we realize that we, don't, we put our faith in our, the wrong object. Maybe we can easily say that we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But many times, if we're not careful, we put our faith in the wrong object. And then, if you put your faith in the wrong object, there's no power. That's the first characteristic. The second one, the great faith is humble faith and trusting faith. Verse 26 and verse 30. Let me read it. Now the woman was a Gentile. 
Cyclopolynesian by birth. Let's read it quickly, that one. It's very hard, all right? And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumb. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon gone. All right, the first time I studied these five verses without any help, without any commentary, I was a bit surprised and shocked. All right, let me read it again. In verse 26, the woman begged Jesus to help her to cast out the demon from her daughter, which is a good thing. That's what we talked about in the previous point, that she really come in the desperation, asking Jesus for help, which is good. But let's see what Jesus responded in verse 27. And Jesus said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So Jesus answered her with the illustration. So the children in here referring to the children of Israel. So basically, let the children of Israel be fed first, for it's not right to take the children of Israel bread and throw it to the dogs. And who's the dogs? The dog is like he's referring the dog to the gentle woman. I mean that my first question is, seriously, Jesus? I couldn't believe that this kind of words come from my savior. <laughs> right? And I have to make uh, my personal reflection to Pastor Yosia what I have to put it. So my my two questions that when I first time that I read these five verses, did Jesus does did Jesus just bully this gentle woman? By saying a dog? Did Jesus just mistreat this gentle woman? I mean, if he did, it means that he committed the sins. And it's going to be a big problem. He, Jesus cannot be a God if he committed the sin. My second question is, did Jesus just do the favoritism? I mean, Jesus saying here that I need to deal with the Jewish people. It's like, all right, I thought you are so gracious, God. You kind of like treated Jewish and Gentile equally. Now, why you do the favorites? That's the two questions. When the first time I do uh, studying these this five verses, to answer both questions, we need to understand that Jesus used this Ill illustration here to explain their followers that his ministry has a priority, which is to deal with the Jewish people first. So it's very important, the word first in the verse 27, that let the children be fed first. It doesn't mean Jesus ignore the Gentile people. It doesn't mean Jesus ignored Gentile people. The outreach to the, the Gentile people will come later in his perfect timing. Because at this very moment, Jesus has to show to people that he come to fulfill the Old Testament promise which is to bless Abraham's generation. But however, if we, were, if we were a gentle woman, dog is still a dog, right? If Jesus called us a dog, as someone else called us a dog, what, 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 what would we say, right? Maybe we said, hey, stop, brother. Don't continue. I'll see you in the court. I'll call my lawyer. Or some of us that maybe it's a bit childish, you know, when uh, some of people childish fight, you call me a dog? No, you are a dog. For the next two minutes, they just call each other dog, something like that. 
So if I was a gentle woman, I may take back my word and say that, no, I don't think you are son of David. I think you're just another rude Jewish man. And that's normally what we will do. I mean, that is, but I just love how this gentle woman respond to Jesus. This gentle woman didn't argue with Jesus. She was, she was not mad at Jesus at all. She didn't turn her back and go home. All right, Jesus, I don't want to talk to you anymore. He's already, you crossed the line. You call me dog. But love, I love how her response in verse 28. She answered Jesus, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children crumb. She didn't see what Jesus says as the insult. Why? Why? I don't know. Maybe uh, I know some of you that always do a regular blood check. I know Pastor Yosia, Pastor Stem do a regular blood checks. Alice and I always do a regular blood check, right? I think it's more about my purpose than Alice's purpose to monitor their health. Just imagine that uh, I do a blood check, uh, my blood collected, sent to the lab, and the lab kind of like do the the check and everything. You know that they're not just a random people put the number, right? So basically they do a, a proper check in there. And one day the GP call, and then Edric, let's, uh, I get the result, let's discuss about your result. And the doctor said that, uh, Edric, I, has, uh, I have a one problem in your result. Your uh, cholesterol is very high, all right? The cholesterol is very high. It's just examples. So it's <laughs> not based on true story. Your cholesterol is really bad. So I want you to control your diet. You need to eat less and no more fatty food. I have two possible response to this doctor. The first one, I can see this as an insult. I say, you call me fat doctor? <laughs> I will not come back to you anymore. The first response, I'm not humble enough to admit the true condition of myself. The second possible response for me to humble myself, to admit that's really my true conditions and I make a changes in my lifestyle. And that's what happened to the gentle woman. Her response is the humble response from her heart because she knows what she deserves. She only deserves the crumb under the table she is content with just the crumb under the table. She knows that even the crumb under the table is His grace. And she's satisfied with that. One thing that we have to remember that the great faith comes from the great humility that realized that who we were. We were a sinner. All of us a sinner who deserve nothing from God. But God give us everything. As a result, because of her faith, Jesus cast out the demon from her daughter. In verse 29 and 30, then he said to her that for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed. And the demon is gone. One thing that we could learn from him, as many of us, 
come to God without the humility like this woman. When this woman come to Jesus and beg him, she beg him for his mercy like a dog begging for the crumb. Today, many of us think that we are too good for the crumb. God, I have done this for you. I've done that for you. I deserve to sit on the table. I've been ministering for the last 15 years. I've been ministering two ministries in the same Sunday. Next year, I'm going to be at one more. I deserve to sit at the table. Many times that we think that we come to God without the humility. We think that we deserve more because of our resume, what we have done. In other, in other words, that we think that God owes us something because we do this and that. So when we come to God, instead that we beg for His mercy, when we come in our prayer, when we're asking God, instead of we asking God, begging for His mercy, we made our demand before God. God, I want, I want you to do this for me. Why? Because I've done this for you. So we treat God like our business partner. We treat God like our vending machines. The many of us, we come to God without the humility. And that's what we can learn from this woman. That we have to know that, you know what? We have to humbly accept who we are. Because if we, know, if we don't have humility, like Ripka said, if we don't have any humility, it's going to be produced in everything we do. We don't want to repent. We don't want to confess our sin because we think that we are good enough. But we have to humble ourselves to remember that we are our sinners that who deserve nothing from God. But He gives us everything. And the last one, the last characteristic. The great faiths always produce great testimony. This is the last one and also the longest one. So, uh, the great faith always produce a great testimony. Verse 31 and 32. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through a Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the regions of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. They begged him to lay his hand on him. So after Jesus casting out the demon, Jesus went to another Gentile area. So in this pericope, Jesus healed a deaf man. But one thing that's interesting in this story, in, in, in other miracles, healing miracles, normally that the sick people hear about Jesus and he believes what Jesus has done, and he believed in Jesus, and he's the one, the sick people, the one that come to Jesus. They themselves, they come to Jesus. But this man is a deaf. He may not hear about the good news about Jesus. He may not hear what all the good news, all the big news about Jesus in other area, because he is deaf. But he may not hear the news about Jesus. But other people hear about Jesus. He may not hear about the good news about Jesus, but other people hear about Jesus. And these people didn't only hear about Jesus, but they believe it. And then, then these people that bring, this, bring him to Jesus, they not just hear, but they believe 
in what Jesus done. And these people is not just believe. They didn't stop in there. They don't hold this good news to themselves. They share this good news with this deaf man. And they bring him to Jesus. Let me repeat again. They share this good news to other people. And they bring him to Jesus. They share the good news to other people. And they bring him to Jesus. This man may not hear about the good news. And there's a lot of people out there may not hear about the good news yet. And we do want that hear the good news. If we believe, if we believe we don't hold this good news to ourselves, we share the good news to all those people and bring him to Jesus. So there's a, a big difference when you just know about the gospel and you, and you know and you believe the gospel. There many times that we just know about the gospel. We can define the gospel 100%, but we don't understand the gospel. We don't believe the gospel. And it's really a big difference. So a few weeks ago, I joined a training in my workplace. The training is about giving a presentation. All right? It was a good training. It's very full on today's training. And, but there's one exercise that I want to share for me that's very interesting. So basically, two months before the training, so this uh, trainer asked everyone to prepare three minutes presentation. So we get two months preparation, right? Two months preparation uh, to prepare three minutes presentation, work-related, make your best slide PowerPoint. And, it, and uh, the trainer said it's, it's going to be assessed. So you're going to be assessed, and you're going to present, and we're going to assess it during the training. All right, so we prepare our best, make the best presentation, make the best uh, PowerPoint. On the day of the uh, uh, training, so basically everyone uh, needs to present this, uh, those three minutes presentation. And, and it's, uh, the, 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 the trainer record the presentation. The trainer record presentation, we, so we have two months preparation, right? So we have enough time. So we give the presentation because we know that we get assessed. So we try to show all the good items of the gesture, body language. And hi, my name is Edric. So we make it very obvious, right? So because he's being assessed, we're going to talk about three scope today, something like that. And so we make it very obvious because we know that we're going to be assessed. So, and then after everyone gives the presentations, uh, the trainer said that, all right, now I'm going to give you 10 minutes. I'm going to give you 10 minutes uh, to prepare another presentation. Just one or two minute presentations. You compare it about two months preparation, and this, oh, this one is only two minutes. All right? But you share about what your patience, what is your hobby, anything your patient, your hobby, you share in one or two minutes with 10 minute preparation. So at at the beginning, that we'd be surprised. What? Only 10 minutes? But at the end, though, so we, we prepare, uh, and I'm thinking what the topic, so this is my topic. Uh, the statement that I make is, uh, Manchester United is, is the best team in the world. <laughs> it's not joking. That's my statement. <laughs> and it, because I need to share. I need to believe it, right? <laughs> so I need to believe that. Amen. Uh, and it's for real, and uh, that's, that's my statement. And then I share. I share to them. Even we don't win anything, we're still the best team. 
because we have a victory, something like that. So, we, so in the way that I'm, I'm, I'm going like to share it in one of two minutes. And, uh, and at the end, that, uh, at the end of the presentation, basically that the trainer show us the first video, the first presentation, and the second presentation. And we were, all of us are surprised. In the first presentation is, we can see how awkward that we use our body language. It's not natural or anything. Because we keep thinking that we have to use body language and anything. But in the second one, in the second presentation, when we share our patient, everything comes naturally. You don't need to ask to do this, do that, something like that. All the intonation, everything just come naturally. But there's one big difference, and this is what, what my trainer said to me. You know, Edric, your first presentation, even though you prepared two months, you prepared two months. Let me tell you frankly, I don't believe what you say. I don't believe what you say, even though you have the best presentation, I don't believe what you say. But in the second presentation, even I'm not a soccer fan, I believe that your team is the best team in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really the power when you really believe what you share. There's many times when we share the gospel, our purpose is just we just want to try to def try my best to the finish line. Like my first presentation, basically what I'm trying to do, I just try to my best to go to the finish line. There's no emotional feeling that I'm saying that I'm trying to present this one so you, I want you to believe in that. There's no feeling of that. And there's many times when we share the gospel, there are many times that we just share it for a sake that because we just need to share it. And we don't believe it. You know, when you believe and share with others, you have that emotional feelings that, hey, I have this good news that I want to share to you. Not only that, I also want you to believe and I want to invite you to come to him. His name is Jesus. And then many times we don't have that feeling. Basically, we say, you know what? You have sins and then you need a savior. But in ourselves, we don't believe that. So the question that we should ask ourselves is, do we believe the gospel that we share with other people? Has the gospel really changed your heart? Have we really experienced what the gentle woman experienced, that she realized who she was? She knew that she deserved nothing from God, but God poured her with abundant grace into her life. I mean, if we experience, if we experience that in our heart, you know what, church? We cannot hold this good news to ourselves. And basically, that's what happened in the crowd. When the crowd seeing that a lot of things happened, what Jesus done, all the miracle. This what basically what the crowd uh, uh, seeing. Basically, in the first thirty-six, basically, Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaim it. Even Jesus asked them to not tell anyone. Still, the more Jesus charged them, the more zealously they proclaim the gospel. Maybe you, you, may, maybe, maybe you ask, why Jesus asked them to stop sharing the, the good news? I mean, it's good. But the reason why Jesus had to stop them, because that Jesus knew that his main purpose to come to, his world, to this world is not 
only for doing the miracle. But he has a bigger mission, which is to die on the cross for our sin. So because if people talk more about the miracle, the more people are going to come to Jesus only for the miracle. But his primary mission is not just to heal the physical sickness, but to heal our spiritual sickness. And that's why he asked people not to tell anyone, but they cannot resist telling people. You know what? When I read this, when I understand this, for me that my only response is really the irony. Really the irony. I mean, at that time, in Jesus' time, Jesus asked people not tell anyone about me. Don't tell anyone about me. But they cannot resist telling other people. At that time, Jesus asked them, please don't tell. But they cannot hold to themselves. But now, it's very clear. Jesus commanded us as a believer to share the gospel. Every single week, we get the reminder. We get the reminder that to read Matthew 28, that we need to share the gospel. Yet many of us remain silent. For me, that's the irony. When the time that Jesus asked those people to not tell anyone, they cannot resist. But now, when Jesus clearly commanded us as believers to share the gospel, and yet we remain silent. I mean, when Jesus has touched us, we realize that the new life that we have, when we realize that the new life that we have, let me tell you, church, we cannot resist telling other people. <coughs> I mean, living as Gentile is not easy. I mean, but during this pandemic, I think we can feel kind of like a glimpse to become a Gentile, an unclean Gentile. You get the COVID, people trying to avoid you. So basically that you get a glimpse to become a Gentile. People try to avoid you. For example, that, oh, did Edric get the COVID? I tried to avoid touch his mic after this, something like that. We try to avoid these people. And the last thing that we're going to do that we is touching them. And during that time, even the healthy Gentile people is considered as unclean. The healthy one, just the normal healthy people, Gentile people, is considered as unclean. And this man is sick. This man is deaf. And I think if the Jewish people, the Jewish people need to point, need to point which part of this man's body is the most unclean. I think most of them are going to point in the same direction, which is his ear. Because he's deaf and his weakness. People will be afraid of touching his ear, but not Jesus. When no one wants to make a personal contact with this deaf man, Jesus come to get very personal with this man. He said that Jesus put his finger into his ears to the place that, that the most uncleanest in his body, Jesus put his finger he touched the place where this man has having problem. And he didn't only touch the problem, but he healed the problem. 
And I mean that even at the beginning when Jesus met this man, Jesus really wanted to have this personal encounter with this man. In the verse 33, he said that, and taking him aside from the crowd privately. So before Jesus healed this man, that Jesus take him aside from the crowd privately. I mean, Jesus can heal this man in the midst of the crowd. I mean, that he going to become more famous. But instead of Jesus doing that, Jesus take this man aside from the crowd because Jesus wants to have personal encounter with this man. Church, I hope that we realize that Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you and me. He wants to spend the time with you that many times we ignore. And many times we ignore. And one thing that I want you to know that Yes, Jesus cares about our physical sickness. He cares about our financial problem. He cares about our children problem, our family problem. But let me tell you, He cares more deeply than that. Because we have bigger problem than our physical sickness. Our biggest problem is the sins. I mean, at the cross, Jesus personally touched our biggest problem. And heal our biggest problem. And like in the story, that Jesus willing to go to the lowest point of this man's life and touch his life. And at the cross, that Jesus went to the lowest point. I mean, he got bullied. He got rejected. People laugh at him. To the point of the lowest point of his life, which is that he, re- he separated from his father. separated from his father because he must take our sins just i hope that you can sense how personal it was there's many times when we talk about the cross salvation that we don't know we miss that how personal that that cross is for you and me yes jesus saved many people in this world yes but he saved is one of us individually and it's very personal he came to this world as if that you are the only sinner in this world. He died on the cross as if you are the only to be safe in this world. If you are the only one to be safe in this world, Jesus will still come to this world and die for you. Let me tell you one thing. You are not the unknown child in the midst of many believers. You and me is not the unknown child in the midst of many believers. You are the beloved children of God. That he loves you. That he loves you so much. So you can come to him with your brokenness. So I'm going to close with this question that I think is important for us to know. So I'm going to put these two statements, all right? The first statement, God doesn't always heal our physical sickness. The second statement, it is often God's will to heal our physical sickness. Which one do you think is the correct one? The first statement, God doesn't always heal our physical sickness. The second statement, it is often God's will to heal our physical sickness. Do you think the first statement is correct? 
Who thinks that the first one correct? Raise your hand. Don't see, uh, accept Pastor Yosia. Don't, don't, don't look at Pastor Yosia. Pastor Yosia, you don't raise your hand. You are, uh, everyone going to look at you. Okay, who thinks that the first statement is correct? Who thinks the second one is correct? Who thinks the both of them is correct? The answer, both of them, is correct. Both of statement is correct. But many times, when we come to Jesus, so often that we only focus on one statement, and we exclude another statement. For example, that if we focus on the first statement, God doesn't always heal our physical sickness, and we ignore the second statement. The many times when we come to God in our prayer, we are, our prayer is timid. We don't have a courage to ask God, begging for His mercy. But in the same time that we only focus on the second statement, when we're asking God and God didn't fulfill our promise, we're going to be upset with God. Both statement is good. Both statement is correct. And what we need to do, basically, we just need to desperate like a woman, the, the, the gentle woman, to come to God in desperation, come and ask God. I don't know what's your problem, what the burden that you bring to the church right now. Maybe financial problem, maybe family problem, whatever, whatever problem that you're facing, you know, I hope when you look to the gospel, that you can realize something like the crowd understood in the first 37. So basically the crowd, when, when the crowd see what Jesus done with, his, with this deaf man, that Jesus healed this deaf man, basically the crowd was atonished beyond measure. And the crowd saying, he has done all things well. I don't know what the burden that you have right now. You maybe have a financial problem. You have a family problem. Maybe you have the health issue right now. Maybe there's a lot of uncertainty in your future. Maybe some of us worry about our aging parent that we realize that they will not be around forever. I don't know, maybe some of you right now in here, you need to be safe. You need Jesus Christ as your savior. Come to him. As we learn from this story, the gentle woman come to God, she cry and ask God in desperations. The problem of our life, something that we are too proud, asking God. But again, we remember that we have the Savior who has done all things well. And what we need to do, just come to him. Come to him. And let's pray. Dear Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. I've done my part. That I preach faithfully and boldly. So Holy Spirit, I pray walk in every single heart in here.
rebuke us that need to be rebuked. Change us that we need to change. Maybe there's some of us in here like a gentile woman. They are in the, it, 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 there's one time they were like a gentile woman in the, in the middle road. Maybe they, they know for sure that they need to put their faith in Jesus Christ, but there's a lot of thought in their mind. Maybe they're afraid that what's going to happen with my, with, the, with my family. My family is going to reject me. What gonna what what my friend gonna say about me? My friend gonna reject me. But I pray that we can learn from this gentle woman that I don't care what people say. What I need right now is you, Jesus. And this is my prayer. The many times that we play church, many times we play church, we just come to church and we love to hiding in the banner that I'm a Christian. We love hiding in the banner that I'm Christian because I'm coming to church. Oh, uh, we love hiding in the, in the banner that I'm a Christian because I do ministry. In other words, we don't put our faith in you we put our faith in our performance forgive us so Holy Spirit I pray that working in every single heart that let the gospel transform our heart as we maybe go back at our room at our home after this that we can ponder your message if it is something that we need to confess, something that we need to repent, help us. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.